Hi, I'm Kahi Shah, and you're listening to the Baking Soda Podcast, featuring startup companies on the rise. Hi, I'm Arif Danji. We believe that successful startups share the same properties as this magical white powder, namely being essential, versatile, and adaptable. Together and with all of you, we will delve further into the journey of early stage companies and their adventurous CEOs. Today's startup in the spotlight is Constructable. Constructable uses AI chat to support construction managers. It helps ask specific questions like what slope is needed for drainage? Or how do the submitted electrical bids compare? Questions are answered in seconds instead of hours, and this helps prevent mistakes which could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Welcome Emma, co-founder and CEO, and Molly, co-founder and CPO of Constructable. Thank you both for being with us today. Thanks so much for having us, Arif. It's great to be here. Yes, very happy to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Well, Emma, you and I have known each other for over a decade, and I loved hearing about the journey um, to starting a company with with Molly and John, your other co-founder. So how did you all decide to leave Appfolio and start Constructable? Thanks, Arif. Yeah, I can't believe it's been over a decade that we've known each other. Um, And I know it's been that long because actually Molly and John and I all worked together for about a decade at Appfolio. And I knew you prior to that. Appfolio is a really, really amazing company. Obviously, we were there a lot longer than a lot of people stay at companies uh, nowadays. And so we just had this incredible experience there. And I think what was really unique for the three of us is that we all started when Appfolio was small, you know, a couple hundred people, not really a startup anymore, but growing really, really fast. We got to work um, on that team through a ton of scale. But at the same time, the three of us also got to take a step back and actually launch new products within Appfolio. I spent the last four years that I was there on a product that we built internally from the ground up and got to about 1500 customers. And Molly and John did the same in their last year at Appfolio, launching a product for a new market that we hadn't been in previously. And the three of us just really realized that's where our hearts were, was in those beginning stages. We'd loved working together um, and we loved figuring out the zero to one, the go to market. At the same time, we saw so much happening in um technology just in general with everything that was going on with ai and we really really saw this was going to be a huge opportunity for how you think about vertical SaaS differently and we're really excited to be at the forefront of that so we decided you know there's no time better than the present if there's something you're excited about and we went for it i love that i love the fact that Appfolio was able to give you almost that that startup experience of scaling something um to the level that, that you guys were able to do so and so when you guys suddenly realized all right AI has the power to, to really ship things in vertical SaaS. How did you decide on construction tech? What, what brought you to that point? Yeah, I'll take that one. It's funny you asked that because when we were first thinking of startup ideas, I told John and Emma, I do not want to be in construction tech. Uh, <laughs> my husband is a GC. My dad uh, is a large specialty contractor. I grew up around it. I married it. I used to work at construction companies in college. um, And so I just thought it would be too hard. It's too big of a space. Uh, Plus, you also dabbled in this space a few years ago together working on a side project for NLP texting time cards. And it just felt really hard. 
Plus, like Procore is also in our, you know, in our um, same town. So I I said no. And then I just did a complete 180 because the more I learned about LLMs and the more I thought about, you know, about the construction industry, it's just, it's perfectly poised uh, for this technology um, since it basically runs on emails and PDFs. Um, my brother-in-law, who is a VP at a very large construction company, told me a few years ago uh, that construction is one to two degrees away from a major technology transformation. And for some reason, that comment just always stuck with me. And I, I just always thought it would it would be something like robotics or 3D printing or something like that. But um, what I've realized when I dove, dove deeper into this this new world of AI, LLMs, and now it's mo- multimodal, is that I think that this is a technology that will change construction. Um, there's so much rework and inefficiencies that I see day in and day out, like that literally affect my daily life that I am like so bought in, right? Um, we So we are starting, you know, small with, with search and QA, it's not that small, but it will just get better and better. Um, I think we can you know, you know, there's, we can easily speed up design reviews, right? We can help catch mistakes, like, uh, catch mistakes before the concrete is poured, not after, right? (laughs) We can make things more efficient, um, and affordable. Like, you know, we're all in California, you know, there's a major housing crisis in California. Um, and I see firsthand just how hard and like, and risky it is to build places to live. Um, I joke with my husband that he should have a Netflix show because there's just like so much drama on a project from start to finish that I actually think it'd be very entertaining and extremely informative. The potential side hustle is Netflix show and construction. I'm actually tired of lawyers and doctors, so I can I can go for something different. Totally, yeah. <laughs> this might be a good point to jump in and ask what was like the aha moment where you thought, okay construction is it and search is that entry point and then you alluded to going a couple other directions like where do you go from search yeah so we um actually originally search wasn't what we were focused on we started spending a lot of time in different offices general contractors offices um just kind of watching what they were doing and immediately we saw a ton of opportunity to automate different workflows um what we realized pretty quickly though as we started looking into those and spending more time with people was actually the biggest pain was not getting the work done it was pulling together all the information they needed just to go do something and we were pretty shocked when we would sit in someone's office how much time a project manager for an active construction project where things are being built in the field was sending spending in the office on a computer just trying to answer questions that they needed to actually get the things done that were happening in real life. And so, you know, we kind of had this aha moment. We were in a general contractor's office. We asked, what's the biggest challenge someone had had? And he said, I literally just spent an hour trying to find out if we even need to do a load test, you know, and now I have to go actually organize that load test. But I spent more time trying to find whether we even need to do one. And so what we realized was foundationally, even to start to getting to automating some workflows, we still needed to be able to identify what all these pieces of information in a construction project were. And that in and of itself as a product was something that was going to be really valuable to people. I think what's unique about construction and why that's the case is just the volume of data that they're working with is so much bigger than almost anything else. 
we have one customer that we brought in 40,000 documents just for one project. Um, you know, and some of these are thousands of pages long. So you start to realize why, and they're going to be different for every single project. So you start to realize why even just finding an answer to a question that seems so critical to a project is something that's really challenging in construction. Uh, like Molly said, though, we really just see this as a starting point right now. We're really this very intelligent research assistant that when you have a question, you can come to Constructible and you can find information. But we're actually processing all this information at the background. In the background, we're putting structure to it, and so we can actually start to be more proactive and point things to people ahead of them asking about it. So a great example is, you know, we can look at the schedule. Say we go back to um, the load test that this company needed to find out. That's because they were installing helical piles. Uh, we could actually look at the schedule and say, hey, the helical piles are being installed today. What's all the information that you need rather than you having to come to us to now ask and kind of do that research? And then as we see things that come up, that's when you can start to automate different pieces as well. So for example, if a bid comes in that's missing information, you know, today you could use us to find all those bids, to figure out what's missing information. But our long-term vision is we'll actually see those bids coming in and preemptively we'll say, hey, this one looks like it's missing information. We can actually automate reaching back out to that subcontractor to have them update their bid and start to put in that information. What does the competition for a constructible look like? Um, why did you decide to build a vertical solution? And would your customers be looking at other more horizontal solutions like Green as well as a potential to solve their problems? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. So John, Emma, and I have been in vertical SaaS for a long time. We are believers in vertical SaaS, and we think that there is a real value to knowing an industry. Uh, we think Glean is an awesome product. And in fact, we even, you know, call ourselves at this moment in time, the glean for construction. Uh, but construction is by nature project-based. Uh, projects have phases and um, there are just certain workflows that need to happen. Um, and we and we can be really specific about that. Like one silly example is a lumber schedule is very different than a wood beam schedule. Uh, Constructible knows this, but a horizontal solution might not. Um, and then over time, we, you know, we hope to be more proactive with the project, you know, and become a system in engagement, like Emma said, not just a search and Q&A. We can, we can see things from other similar projects and, you know, maybe suggest the change to a design and get it approved in minutes rather than weeks or months. Um, and even, you know, Glean even like fine tunes uh, their product per company. So um, we believe that having a vertical specific Glean um, type product is is very valuable, especially in such a large industry like construction. Yeah, absolutely makes sense, right? And then you're creating co-pilots for people, you're, as you mentioned, anticipating tasks. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Molly, I'm I'm curious, something that you mentioned before and kind of come up is, is there are so many stakeholders in construction, right? You obviously got the GC, the project managers, you've got the subs. How do you think about the progression of who the user is here. Do you, do you see a, a use case where maybe the subs could use this to make sure their bids are, you know, are, have a higher chance of getting accepted? How do you think about the user here? Uh, yeah, that, that's a great question. I mean, one of the things I think that makes the construction industry so challenging is there are so many different users on a project. 
and they're all at different companies, right? Like working at a tech company, we all pretty much work internally with each other. But when you're working with so many different parties, like the city or the architects, consultants, uh, the, the inspectors that need to come, it just makes it really hard. And the common denominator become PDFs and emails, um, which, you know, LLMs are, are very good at reading PDFs and emails. Um, and so when we think about different users and expanding, it's, you know, we've been, uh, we've been talking about, you know, being project based and allowing different users to have access to uh, different projects uh, been able to all have the right information, right? There's like, there's not a GitHub for a, a different um, like revision of a, of, a, of a plan. And so to be able to surface that information, like, hey, this is the latest, greatest revision of this architectural plan or whatever um, would be very exciting in the future. But yes, there, that, that is a challenge that, w that we're going to have to figure out. I think it's just all the different stakeholders that, that, um, come into the, the project, which is why we're starting with GCs because they're kind of in the middle, um, of handling all that information. That makes sense. I've also heard in construction tech that you have both this bottoms up sales process as well as top down, right? You have to sell to individual GCs, but then there are obviously these very large, um, very large companies that that might mandate certain tools. And so how do you think about the the sales, the sales cycle and process here to make sure you guys are successful? Yeah, the approach we've taken at start has been bottoms up. And I think one thing that's really unique about our product compared to some in the construction space is that you can get a ton of value if you're the only person at your company using our product. Because we actually don't force you into some new way of doing a workflow, we sit on top of all the places that they're already doing their work. Um, it's really lent itself to that versus, you know, if you start using Procore, say you have to get everybody on your team bought into doing that. Um, that's actually been a huge advantage for us because building a product like this really requires that we have real construction data. We see the types of questions people are asking because for us, we're really differentiated on the quality of those responses. And so we need to have our hands on real data to see how that's working. Um, we also, it's allowed us to really focus on a specific role at a company. So we've started by focusing on the project managers who are in the active stage of a project. Long term, we want to branch out and work incredibly well for anybody on a project, the pre-construction manager, the foreman, the supervisor, but you need to be um, able to do other things really well for those roles. And so it's made it so we can say we're going to have a super high quality product for this type of person out of the company. But over time, we want to grow and work with everybody that's on a project. And so we've started with a really bottoms up approach. Um, but over time, as we expand to these different roles at a company and start moving a little bit more at market, I think there's also opportunity to have more of a top down approach on a project where you'd sell to the whole project and you'd have the product in every single person's hands, um, especially, you know, once we have a good proven track record in the market and people have seen, you know, other companies using the product and taking an approach like that. Was this Appfolio's go-to-market approach to go bottoms up as well? Uh, Appfolio is a different product in that you do really need to get everybody at a company using a product. So in Appfolio's case, they really sell to the whole property management company. It's an accounting product too. And so you can't have some of your accounting happening there, some of your accounting happening somewhere else. Um, and it really, you know, the, 
value in a folio or there's a lot of value, but one huge one is that it's an all-in-one solution that you get all of your data into that product. Um, and so their strategy was more of a top down approach where um, the whole company is using Appfolio for running the property management business. That makes sense. And were there any lessons you learned at Appfolio, whether it's on the sales side or management side that you feel have been really useful and valuable at Constructable? Absolutely. Yeah. We learned so many things at Appfolio. It's hard to boil this down. I think we're all focused just because we're in such the early stages of our um, journey with Constructable is those very beginning pieces of actually getting a product off the ground that John and Molly and I got to do at Appfolio. I think, you know, first and foremost, something we did a lot of at Appfolio is spending time with your customers in person in their office, watching what they're doing, you know, not just doing a Zoom call where you ask questions and interview them. And I think that's something that's become a bit more of the norm, especially because, you know, now we're all used to doing a lot of meetings on Zoom um, in the last few years. But, you know, we still see so, so much value in actually just sitting in someone's office, watching what's going on. For us, it's on a it's an office and a construction site. Um, there's just little details that you'll never pick up that help you really, really understand your user and the things that they care about and how you can really support their experience better. You also build really great relationships with companies that are so critical to have early on. Um, you know, we saw this at Outfolio as we launched new products or new features. You have that kind of first set of users that you work incredibly close with. You make sure they love the product before you start bringing in more people. And I think that's an important lesson um, that we really focused on is you need 10 companies that absolutely love your product that are going to say they can't live without it before you even worry about getting to 100. You know, you need to get to those 10, be as close to them as possible. Um, You'd always want that more than having 100 people who just kind of think your product's okay. And so that's really the approach we've taken as we've uh, started in getting off the ground. And then one more too is going to where your customers are and spending time with the community. Um, Even if it's not an opportunity for marketing or for sales, just looking at what are the events your customers go to? What are the um, educational things they do? What are the conferences that they're at? And really kind of understanding the ecosystem of the community What are the things they care about a ton and are really, really challenging in their industry, even if your product is not the one solving those? I think that gives you so much empathy for your customer. It helps you really just understand their day-to-day. And as you continue in your go-to-market, it's also really important to think about, even if it's not going to be in your product, how can you give back to the community and help with those things that are challenging for them? You know, whether that's through resources or thought leadership, even if it's not directly what your product solves, um, just really embedding yourself with where your customers are and not just thinking about, you know, where are the places you go to sell your product, but how do you actually learn about the industry and stay close with it? I'm curious. Procore is a huge source of knowledge for you guys. And so my question to you is, I know in addition to all the other documents you bring it together, is it enough or is this something where an incumbent could come in and offer this as a a feature um, of what they're what they're doing? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And this is something we've spent a lot of time thinking about. And obviously, at the end of the day, we want what's going to be best for the industry. We don't want to just build something that's going to be solved by the product that we know there are all already using. Uh, you know, and we know that Procore announced its co-pilot at their customer conference that just happened, which is going to be amazing for their customers. Um, what we've really seen the more and more we've worked with people is just how spread out information is, even if you're a very heavy user of Procore. And there's a number of reasons for that. I think one, like we talked about before, there's just so many companies that are working on a project. It's not just the general contractor and their documents. You can have a hundred specialty contractors who all have their own documents as well. And so things get really spread out. Um, the volume of data just makes it hard, even if you're a super active user of Procore, to be diligent enough to get every single thing that happens into Procore because in construction, you have thousands of documents, but in a month, it's hard to know which of those thousand are going to be the ones that are the most important because as you work on a project, things change. You start excavating and you hit a boulder. Well, now there's all kinds of things you care about that you didn't know you were going to care about. And so you're going back and trying to find all this information. And because things change so fast in construction, there is a ton that happens through communication as well. You know, we see teams where a lot is happening over text. We don't pull in text messages today, but that's our goal is to start doing that as well. We see teams using Slack, using WhatsApp, using Google chat, um, of course, a ton over email. And so there's actually a lot outside of documents that really matters where the context is important. So for example, you might have a change order but in a month, you might be asking, why did we put in this change order? You know, and you need to go back and dig up a bunch of conversations that happened. And so even just having Procore, while that's a huge advantage um, and being able to find information in it really well, we've really, really validated from people that that's really just not even half the battle. It's kind of pulling all of this information together so that you combine sources of data to really kind of help you get to the truth of what's going on as you're starting to dig into something and trying to answer a critical question for a project. You're right. I never thought about the the informal data that just gets collected from those daily interactions. And you're right, they're, they're critical. So as you know, we're big fans of baking soda. And we believe, <laughs> we believe that companies should try to, to emulate some of the attributes of, of uh, baking soda. So I'm curious, how is Constructible similar to the substance that we love? Sure, yeah. Well, I've thought about this, this question. Uh, one of the key reasons baking soda is so awesome is its ability to uh, provide lift and enhance the chemistry of baked goods. We all know how yummy and delicious baked goods are, and we never think like, oh, it must have some great baking soda. <laughs> Uh, well, Constructible strives to be like baking soda in, in, in this way in that we want to continue to develop skills and enhance the product so that any project where Constructible is being used, uh, we can be sure to provide lift and enhance the chemistry, bringing, bringing back the joy of building, right? Like, have you ever been in the car with someone that's in construction? They point and they say, like, I built that. I sprinkled that building. You know, my um, I designed that building. My brother-in-law always points to this building in Arizona and it says, that's the building where I met my, my wife. She was the architect on that building. Um, and at the end of the day, we, you know, we just, 
we just strive to be the, the hidden en enhancer to make building fun, collaborative, and something to be proud of. Uh, and right now, there is a major labor shortage in construction workers, and it's bad. Like the suicide rate is three times higher for someone working in construction compared to the national average. And, you know, we ho we hope our product can relieve any of the stress and bring collaborative chemistry, even if that's in a small way. That is incredible um, and really, really mission driven. Uh, our time today has flown by and come to an end. Thank you, Emma, and thank you, Molly, for being here with us today. But before we send you on your way, we'll have to ask, what are your favorite personal uses of baking soda? So I have a one and a four-year-old, so I use baking soda a lot for cleaning. And in fact, I just used baking soda to get permanent marker off my kitchen countertops. Who knows that would have worked? I thought <laughs> if anything's going to get this off, it's baking soda. And I just left it sitting there all day and then came right off. So currently, that's my personal favorite use because I thought my countertops were done for. <laughs> Mine is somewhat similar, I guess. I have um, a four and a six-year-old, I have four and a six-year-old boys. Um, and there is pee everywhere. Uh, and you would never know that because you use <laughs> baking soda to clean it all up and so yeah coming to my house you would never know but yeah it's true oh i was just gonna say i also just love like baking with my kids too so i use it in the typical fashion of baked goods and cookies this is kahini and arif with the baking soda podcast featuring startup companies on the rise thank you to all of our listeners and for those of you that haven't subscribed we encourage you to do so and tune in for our next episode <laughs>